through that whole period of time, I was doing my my visions, you know, what's my next gold medal? My next gold medal is to be in a wonderful relationship and I would envision it, I'd feel it, and it was what's my next best step to serve that vision. And there was one time I was at Steve's house as a mate and he went to put the girls to bed and the same feeling that I got in the meditation was the same feeling I got when I was at Steve's home when I looked at him that night and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, he can't be it. He's nine years older than me. He's got kids. He's in, you know, the middle of a messy law shit with like his ex-wife. I'm like, no, no, no. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom, though. Here, we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission? Inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. On today's episode, I am talking to a kick-ass stepmom, Kat John. She is the creator of the Zero Fucks movement, and I feel like we are stepmom soulmates. Now, I was scrolling through Instagram one day, and one of her reels of her dancing around came up, and I was like, who is this chick? So I dove into her account a bit, and I saw that she is a stepmom. She has a podcast. She's an authenticity coach from Australia. And she kind of became my girl crush from across the world. Now, after trying to get our schedules and time zones aligned, I finally got her on the show. And I got to tell you, this episode is more than I hoped for. The day I recorded this episode, I was having major issues with one of my stepkids. I had spent the afternoon crying in my car. I was in a really shitty spot. And this episode was so cathartic. I've never felt more seen and more understood by a fellow stepmom, and it was really just everything that I needed. It was so crazy to see how our experiences and our insecurities just mirrored each other. It's like we're the same person from across the world. Anyway, with that, I want to introduce you to Kat John. She's amazing. You guys are going to love this episode. Let's dive in. Kat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. It's nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad we could make this work. Kat's in Australia, guys. So it's Tuesday morning for her. It is a Monday night for me. And I was just telling Kat, Reese is just amazed that this is possible. She cannot figure out how I'm talking to someone on Tuesday, but super cool. We could make this happen. I've been watching you on Instagram. I'm not sure. I think I probably found one of your dancing videos and <laughs> kind of got hooked. And then I was like, oh my gosh, she's a stepmom. So I was mm. obviously been even more intrigued. So, you know, today I'm just really want to dive into your story. Obviously there's so much more than step parenting to share. You know, you are a coach, you've you know had your own journey with trauma and you've been on this, you know, journey to figure your shit out. Like we all are, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're mm-hmm. all just trying to figure it Still out. Still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> the best is when people who follow you or you work with are like, how do you not care about things or how do you keep it together all the time? You're like, Oh no, no, I don't <laughs> just Definitely bounce don't. back. <laughs> no, no. Why don't you start by just kind of giving us the lowdown on, you know, what's your story before this season of your life? Like what was life like mm. back then? And what inspired you to start doing the work that you do now? 
Yeah, great question. So I guess life before the me today, I was an epic people pleaser. I had this real deep view of the world and self that I just didn't fit in. I just didn't know my place and I didn't know how to be me, to be completely transparent. So I had developed some pretty gnarly coping mechanisms, ego tactics in order to feel like I was accepted, to feel like people could like me, to feel like that, yeah, I was chosen, loved, appreciated, acknowledged, etc. And so I would often jump out of myself and don many personas, chameleon-like is what I used to be, which was pretty exhausting. Mm-hmm. That was pretty exhausting, to be honest. You know, in front of one friend, I'd be like this, or another group, I'd be like that. On dates, I'd be like this. And when I got into a relationship, you know, over time, I'd become like that. So yeah, wearing those different personas, it burned me out mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all the rest. So I had a lot of things, I guess, take place in my early childhood, but I'd say that the biggest thing that woke me up was when I was 23 years old, I was diagnosed with a congenital brain condition and I had a chronic pain five years prior to that leading up to this point of diagnosis. And I was told that I had a congenital brain condition that was slowly severing my nerves and if not corrected, it can lead to paraplegia. And I was a registered nurse at the time. I was working in hospitals. I got very reliant upon prescription medication. I also used to have a very addictive personality. So used to be into the party scene. But then when I was nursing, I sort of, you know, matured a little bit, but got hooked on the prescribed medications for this chronic pain. And I don't know if anyone listening has experienced nerve pain or fibromyalgia, that type of fire burn nerve pain. Man, it just eats away at you slowly. You know, it eats away at you slowly. The light that you might have inside of you gets eaten away. The hope you have gets eaten away. The the focus that you actually want to focus on gets stolen, you know, and that's where I was heading. So by 23, I was working at a surgery practice and I was at the top of a set of stairs and I went to walk to get the next patient and I couldn't walk. My boss knew that I had had chronic pain and he could have kind of looked at me and was like, what are you doing? We've got we to get on with the day. And I just said, Doc, I can't walk. I don't know how to make my foot go down. So he shat himself, I shat myself, and he took me to get an MRI. That's when I learned that I had this condition. So six weeks later, I was having brain surgery and it fixed everything structurally. It fixed everything in my brain. Basically, my brain was herniating down into my spinal cord like a traffic jam. It unclogged that and unblocked that. The cerebrospinal fluid in my spine could then move into my brain freely, etc. But my nerves were still very badly compressed. So that meant I still had chronic pain, which was now at that point six years of it. Then I was put on a very strong medication that, ah, oh, man, it just... If there was any glimmer of light, any glimmer of hope, it was then gone. And that's when I got very, very scared to be with my own thoughts, to be with myself, to be alone. And I absolutely contemplated, thought about, dreamt about, fantasized about suicide many times. So I reached out to my family and I said, 
like I really need some help. They were always there for me, always there, but I pushed them away. You know, I pushed them away and I didn't want their love. I didn't want their support. I was sick of everyone asking me, how's your back? How's your pain? How's your back? How's your pain? But yeah, I knew I needed them. So the big shift took place. I was 24 at this time. I was put in front of a neurologist, a professor of neurology, and he sat me down with my parents either side and he said, Kat, you know, you've been dealt a shit card. There's no doubt about that. But I reckon you can turn this around. I reckon you can do this yourself. And he was the first person that kind of gave me that piece of this is in you to change, you know. I was always given medication or go and see that person, go and see that person, go and see that person. And it hooked me in in some way. Like he touched me somewhere that I hadn't been touched internally, you know. And he gave me this analogy of an Olympic athlete who will train to win the gold medal. They'll sleep, they'll rest, they'll meditate, they'll eat right, they'll not go out, they'll go out, whatever it is that they have to do, they'll train for that gold medal because it's so something that they want. And he said to me, you need to want something to the equivalent of an Olympic athlete wanting that gold medal and you got to work for it every day, Kat, without fail, every day. And so he said to me, what do you want? And I paused for a moment and I just said to him, I want to be free. I want to be free to laugh, to smile, to enjoy my life, to be me. Oh, I felt like I had not been me since I was a little girl, you know, and I craved that freedom. And he said, that's your gold medal that you train for. So then he introduced me to visualization. This is a professor of neurology and I'm like, you're a nutty professor, you know, you're not some straighty 180 professor. And he said, every morning I want you to wake up, place your feet on the ground, I want you to close your eyes and visualize yourself free. What do you look like? What do you feel like? What's happening? What colors are there? What's the temperature of that vision? He really wanted me to get that, you know, visceral experience. And he said, when you feel all of that, when you're envisioning it, then I want you to ask yourself, what have I got to do to serve future cat? And he said, that's your invisible prescription I want you to take for 12 months and don't miss a day and come back to me then. So like I said, he spoke to something in me that was ready to give it a go that was like, yeah, this feels right. I don't know why. I've got no proof. All the other thoughts inside of my head were telling me, you know, this is a crock of shit. This guy's a nutty professor, you know, don't <laughs> listen to him. But I felt compelled to. And every goddamn day I did what he said, I did what he said, I did what he said. And my answer to serve my future cat was always about getting outside, moving my body and engaging with life again because I wasn't doing that for a good number of years because I was too scared to be in pain. So I would start walking. I went to the gym. I'd walk to work. I'd catch a taxi home from work because Uber didn't exist. I would just I'd slowly re-engage. And I shit you not, in 10 months, the 15 kilos extra that I was carrying from all the medications I was taking and not moving my body, it had fallen. The chronic pain that I had been living with for six years, it was completely gone. And the spark that I was wanting to see in my eyes and feel in my face, it was back. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have like what have I done in the best way possible? And that just completely opened me up to being curious to 
wanting to investigate, to wanting to learn, to wanting to study, to wanting to develop more of myself or even ask myself, you know, what other gold medals in air quotes do I want to go for? And let's go get them through visualizing and acting in favor of that. And that's what has led me here. Wow. And so you noticed a difference in 10 months, but what was that 10 months like? Were Mm. you totally like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. Or was there any bouts of frustration or excuse me, you were supposed to give me some medicine. Like, what, like oh, yeah. was there any resistance during that process of transformation? 100%. So back then I didn't know about like the ego, true self, the ego, authentic self, or whatever you want to call, you know, these two opposing forces internally. I just thought I was, I, me was me, you know, that was it. So back then, without having that framework, yeah, there was one side of me that was like, let's do this. Let's give it a go. 12 months. It's not that long. If you, you know, give it everything you've got and then we'll see what happens. And then there was the other side, which I now know to be my ego, the part of me that was trying to protect me, keep me safe, not wanting to expand, et cetera. My gosh, every day it would beat to a very loud drum and say, this is a waste of time. This isn't going to work. This is going to take too long. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You've been to all these different specialists. No one else has said this. How come he has said this? If you don't take your medication, you're going to be an asshole to your boyfriend. You're going to lose your job. All of it. When I would walk to work, I'd be like, oh, you're going to have a bad day because you've walked and it's it's going to flare up your pain. You should have brought your pain medication with you. Like unbelievable. Mm. It was unbelievable. But I had a good chat with the professor prior to that. I said, me going off the medication and re-engaging with my life, like, is this okay? And he said, Kat, you're not going to die from going for a walk. You're not going to die from going to the gym. It might hurt. You might, yes, have a flare-up because of how things in your body and how the patterning of your body and your brain is currently wired but give it time, like trust the process. And I would probably say that was the loudest up until about three months. And then habit took over because I was doing it every day. I did not miss a day and I would move my body in some way, shape or form. Sometimes it'd be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I would progress to a longer period of time at the gym or to a Zumba class or whatever it may be. So, yeah, after three months, habit had taken over. So it wasn't like, oh, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? It was like, we're doing, we're doing, we're going, we're doing, we're going. And the thoughts were absolutely still there, but it was less of a battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Good for you for sticking to that, right? Because that's a lot of willpower to be there. So you're 10 months, like everything's, you know, obviously changing. And then what? Oh, well, that was when... Like I said, I started to open up. I was in a relationship for six years that was definitely based on codependency by that time. I just had this thirst for life and I became genuinely interested in people again and curious about people. So I worked at a plastic surgery practice for a little while and the women that would come in, I'm like, I don't care what you want to get done. Just talk to me. Like, I want to talk to you and what are you about and why are you really here and no judgment. Let's just chat. And so these women would literally come into that office space and they'd be like, I feel like I've just had a full therapy session, you know, and all we did was jam and I would listen, ask questions, listen, ask questions. And then 
through, I guess, different synchronicities at that time, I found different courses that I was curious about, which were with regards to intuition, meditation. So I went to a Deepak Chopra course, a Doreen Virtue intuitive course, and you know, spent three days immersed in intuition, three days immersed with Deepak Chopra. Went to different programs that were about, you know, change and growth and development. So that kind of started to skyrocket me, my connection to myself, my connection to my inner voice. And what became obvious was that the relationship that I was in, it was absolutely done, but that's the first time I had been alone. I can't even tell you, like maybe for 10 years, I was a very codependent person and always needed someone to be with in order to feel like I belonged. So letting that go was a really big step in my next part of my growth to find my independence again. And that was a new layer of finding my authentic self and developing boundaries and tools and strategies that strengthened me as my own self in the world, which then after that, it was about, okay, how do I then integrate this part of me with another person? Because I can't live like independent cat forever. Otherwise I'm going to be very lonely, you know? Mm -hmm. So then when did your partner come into the picture and you ultimately become a stepmom? So weirdly enough, I met him when I was a nurse at the plastic surgery practice. Him and his wife came in. She came in to have surgery and I met them, looked after his wife. I remember him because he was funny And he was like, right, how much is this going to cost me? What's the deal? Can you do cheaper for cash? I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's hilarious, right? But I was 26. He was married. There was absolutely nothing between us. I just remember him. Even I think he wore like a grey-brown suit. And I remembered her very clearly because she had a few complications after surgery we needed to tend to. So he came into my life in that professional setting, gone, see you later. And two years later, I was friends with this guy named Tommy. And we were out for breakfast and his phone rings and it's his best mate, Steve. And he said, oh, Steve's around the corner. He's going to come and join us. I'm like, okay, cool. No worries. Didn't know who Steve was. Steve rocks up and I'm like, I know you. I'm like, I looked after your wife. I'm the nurse. And he's like, oh my gosh, you are. So he sat down. He was now divorced and we just became friends, immediate friends for two years. I'd ring him up for guy problems. He'd ring me up for girl problems. I'd look after the girls sometimes if he had to go out. We were complete, utter friends, platonic. At that point in my life, I was still nursing, but I was also tinkering around with starting my business. And he's a business guy. So sometimes we talk about business and he'd give me some advice. It was just cool. Mm -hmm. And then there was this one time in Bali well, through that whole period of time, I was doing my my visions, you know, what's my next gold medal? My next gold medal is to be in a wonderful relationship and I would envision it, I'd feel it, and it was what's my next best step to serve that vision, right? And there was one time I was at Steve's house as a mate and he went to put the girls to bed and the same feeling that I got in the meditation was the same feeling I got when I was at Steve's home when I looked at him that night and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm like, he can't be it. He's nine years older than me. He's got kids. He's in, you know, the middle of a messy law shit with like his ex-wife. I'm like, no, no, no. So I just shut it down. And then we were in Bali at the same time separately. And we had like, I think four hours together before I was flying off. 
and we were hanging out. It was just cool. Went down to the beach. He tried to kiss me and I was like, ah, dude, what are you doing? Get off. And then we were back at his villa and we were in the pool and then he kissed me and I kissed him back and then we both went, ah, (laughs) no. So it was hilarious. And then for six months we did this dance back and forth, back and forth. We're in, we're out. We're in, we're out. It was so tiring and character building. But after six months, there was a a period of time where I went away to do Vipassana, which is 10 days of silent meditation and you've got no contact with the outside world. And it drove him mad. And when I came back out, he just said, 10 days felt like 10 lifetimes without you. Mm. Let's do this. And we haven't been apart since. Oh, my gosh. I love it. (laughs) I know. Definitely not your, like, I always thought meeting the love of your life would be this incredible manifestation story. And I'm like, oh, that was the hardest road ever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So he has two girls. So two girls. Yeah. And so what does that look like at the beginning when you guys start that Mm. relationship? Because I know, you know, looking back with me, I didn't think about it too much when Darren and I got together and he had three kids. I probably should have thought about it a little bit more. I just was kind of all in and thought it would be fine. And we have a 13 year age difference. Oh, sister. We are like sisters from the other side of the world. I know. I know. And I looked like their babysitter. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I look like the nanny. Yeah. The Filipino nanny or cleaner. Yeah. (laughs) So what was that like for you, that whole process? I was very similar to you. You know, he's like, I come as a package deal. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know. (laughs) Not really thinking about what's in the package. Exactly. So they have had split custody 50-50 from the get-go. It's been the same way for the entire time. The girls were seven and nine when I first came in. So pretty young-ish. When they found out they were super excited they wanted me to sleep over immediately sleep in their beds with them it was all kitty 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 it was very exciting because I'd known them too it was pretty cool and we used to have fun and and play around so it was very exciting I was living in my own apartment at that time and sort of six months into our relationship they were all like come live with us you know, and my lease was up in six months time. So, you know, the timing seemed good. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the girls were very warm, very welcoming immediately. So that part was great. Meeting his ex-wife, it was like a bit of a funny moment because we actually knew each other. So, you know, that was sort of okay there too. But I'd say, you know, shit, man, the biggest shift was when I actually moved in and it was week on, week off. (sighs) wow, mm-hmm. that was a big wake-up call. And like I said, they were little, so they were more dependent in terms of baths, bedtime, make sure you brush your teeth, where's your lunchbox, go put your school bag away. You know, it was like that. Kitty, come and have a bath with us. Or we're having a bath. Can you have a shower with us? And coming from that independent place. So I went from codependency to becoming independent to then wow, I'm actually, I'm coming into a family Mm -hmm. where like one week I get Steve, next week I get, you know, the burger with the lot. And one week with Steve, the burger with the lot. And the week, it's just me and Steve. It's not just me and Steve because, you know, the girls are calling. He's still dad, you know, he's still dad. 
And I'm someone who really loves my own space. I'm an outgoing introvert. We are the same person. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even right now. Oh, the masses and the shoes and the, oh, you know, what really got me is I didn't know that you had to tell kids the same thing over and over. I know. Like, I just didn't understand why I already said that. And I said it last week. I said it the week before. Yeah. So why, why have we not like, processed this? I know. But yeah, Coming from no kids too, right? Like, I think that's the piece. Yes. You don't know what Absolutely. you don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you think too, like establishing a, a relationship with someone is big in itself. Mm-hmm. And it took Steve and I a year in terms of our intimate relationship to like really find us and our groove and knowing his quirks and triggers and wounds and how he likes to receive love and vice versa. And then you add on two extra people and then it's like, okay, how do you parent? How do I now parent? Do I parent? Am I their parent? Where's the line that you can cross, not cross? I don't want to like overstep and pretend that I'm their mum because I'm not their mum, but I don't want to be so disengaged that they're like, cat doesn't love us. Mm-hmm. You know, so I actually did a podcast on it very early on when I first released my podcast because that was really, really hard. Yeah. I was listening to actually a podcast episode today and it was talking about how just the anxiety you used to have before they would come. Oh, and yes. What's really interesting and, and why that resonated with me so much, because I would have the same amount of anxiety, but I love the kids. We got along great. Everything was good, but I still just had this sense of anxiety, yes. just kind of like the heart pounding before, like everything just was totally. just the unknown or, or maybe it's like you couldn't get ahead or I'm not really sure how to even describe the feeling. Yes. But it does take so much time to get past that. But I do think it's the work too, right? And mm-hmm. what I find so interesting about you is, you know, for me, I was doing the healing journey. I had all the stuff from my childhood. I had worked through, done the things, felt like I was on the right track. And then you become a stepmom and it feels like all the things that you thought you worked through or all of the... Yeah. You know, things that you thought maybe didn't bother you about your childhood or about the way you were parented or anything to do with anything in your life. It's like, bang, right there. Bang. And bang. you think it's about the kids and you think it's about the ex or when it really is just like this whole like resurfacing of all of your shit. Oh my God. I know. Like, I know. I was fine. (laughs) I was fine. I was fine. It was all tucked in a little gift box and fully had a ribbon on it. And you just came and went, meh, fuck this. Yeah. I have been obsessed with mocktails lately, and I have a new one that I want to share with you. It is super refreshing. It's called the Grapefruit Mint Refresher. Here's the recipe. Half a cup of water, a cup of ice, two sprigs of mint, and a half stick pack of Element Grapefruit Salt. You know I'm a huge lover of Element, which is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar, artificial ingredients, coloring, etc. Formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet, from professional athletes to everyday moms, it's for everyone. 
Now, not only am I drinking element before and after workouts, when I need to rehydrate, when I'm traveling and after some wine, I now use it to make my mocktails and cocktails. Seriously, throw in some lime salt with some soda, tequila, lime, and mint, and it is also extremely delicious. 100 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Staying hydrated is crucial and a huge priority of mine. Proper hydration isn't just about drinking water, though. It means having adequate water and electrolytes. When you purchase Element from www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash kickassstepmom, Element is giving my listeners a free sample pack so that you can try all the flavors and pick your faves. That's www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom to get a free sample pack with your purchase. For a while there, Darren and I were out of sync. From our calendars to communication to what was going on in each other's lives, there was just so much going on that date night and connecting with each other fell off the list. And when we did have one-on-one time, Reese was with us. Surprise, surprise. It was just such a challenging time. And I know that you guys know when your relationship isn't solid, the extra stressors that come with step family life don't always feel worth it. So keeping your relationship on track is very important. Insert Coupla. So Coupla is a relationship app created for couples by a couple. It has helped thousands of couples connect using a shared calendar, to-dos, and reminders to spend more quality time together and connect on a deeper level. The calendar feature allows couples to easily manage each other's work and home schedules while also incorporating various family calendars into one convenient location. The calendar allows couples to prioritize date nights and quality time with each other and navigate through calendar conflicts and scheduling challenges that arise from juggling work, kids, exes, and more. Now, one of the big challenges that stepmoms have is that they aren't always in the loop about schedule changes with the kids. I don't know about you, but this used to drive me crazy. Coupla can help with this. When your partner adds a new schedule to the calendar, you will automatically be in the loop. You can also keep date nights on track with the date planner. As we all know, a regular dedicated time with your partner is one of the best things you can do for your relationship. But with work and friends and children and all the things demanding your attention, it can be hard to carve out that time to be together. So you can plan dates easily, get reminded about your upcoming dates, and keep your date nights on track. Coupla also has the only task manager and to-do list specifically designed for couples. Beyond simply managing groceries, couples utilize these lists to organize everything from planning their next vacation to managing a home renovation to curating exciting date nights ideas and keeping track of gift ideas. Coupla is offering a 50% discount off an annual subscription for my listeners for the first year. All you have to do is enter Jamie when you check out. You can get the link via my show notes, or you can also download Coupla from the app store. And after onboarding on the subscription page, you can click redeem offer and enter the code Jamie to get your discount. I was away in Austin at a hotel for a week and it was so good to sleep alone in my king size bed woke up by myself. It was pure bliss. Honestly, like every mom and stepmom's dream. However, I was very excited to get home though, because I knew that there was a package from Cozy Earth waiting for me. Now my package included new fresh viscose bamboo sheets in a duvet cover and bamboo PJ shorts for the summer, of course, wide leg capris and long sleeve bamboo crew neck. Guys, you know, I'm obsessed with Cozy Earth. They have been a longtime sponsor of the show. The sheets are amazing. 
I have been sleeping in them for over a year now, but this new fresh set, I can't even tell you it is next level. Every morning, Darren and I have woken up and been like, these sheets are insane. As always, the PJs and loungewear do not disappoint. So comfortable, wash amazing, look good, feel good. Because when I'm in comfy clothes, I want to look somewhat put together. And Cozy Earth helps me achieve that. Check out Cozy Earth. I highly recommend it. Use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off your order. That's one of the highest discounts that they offer. Cozy Earth. They have been on Oprah's favorite things multiple times. It's luxurious. It's next level. You deserve it. www.cozyearth.com. Use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off. And when you get your order, shoot me a DM. I want to know what you got. So listening to your podcast today was you were talking about teenagers mm. and man, I haven't even talked openly about this, but I've been really good for a long time. Like we've got a good thing going. My stepdaughter's 21. My stepson's 19. He lives with us full time, but he also works full time. We have a 16 year old, and then we have our daughter together. Mm. Then all of a sudden, like, it's like you get into this season where everything is pissing you off. Like this weekend, everything pissed me off. And we're just like yeah. this tough season with you know, the teenagers trying to figure out who they are and individuate themselves from us. Oh my gosh. And I know in my head, I'm like, okay, this is age appropriate. But then I'm also like, no, this is inappropriate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right. But you do sometimes feel like I could just go, (laughs) I could just get out. Oh yeah. Like, can I just go? Oh my gosh. Steve looks at me sometimes at the end, because now we're two weeks on two weeks off. And he's like, how many times have you thought about leaving? I'm like, every day yeah (laughs) yeah and see the cool thing with Steve which I love I love we say right clear out your ego clear out everything it wants to say and I'll just be a sounding board I won't say anything and so I can let out lash out say whatever it is I don't want to say because something has frustrated me so much the last two weeks and he'll just go is there anything else give it to me, anything else, give it to me. And then we reverse it and I go, okay, cool. What do you want to say? And we can say things about one another, but we we know it's ego. We know it's the ego talking, but we obviously have to be in the right space to be able to hold it and not take it in personally. Man, that helps us a lot. But yeah, no different to you for my eldest stepdaughter. She's 16, nearly 17. And she's been cruisy for some time. Her and I have had quite a lot of struggles when she was going through her teen years, but we're in a really cool place and it has been like that for some time. But now, you know, she's heading into the 17, 18 responsibilities, knocking on the door. What are you thinking about after school? You know, job, money, et cetera. And Steve is the last two weeks has like been applying dad pressure, normal pressure, appropriate pressure, like you say. And the flare-ups have been so uncomfortable. And then my younger stepdaughter is 14, so she's in right in the thick of the teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. So the last two weeks have been shit. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve and I have been just off, just like missing the mark with one another. We've been irritable and frustrated and we go for a walk every night together and I just said to him, look, it's like this because you're needing to step in to hard parent again because you've got to get your daughter ready for life after school. And she's not ready. She's not mentally ready. She doesn't want to do the thing. She doesn't want to be responsible. She doesn't want to work for money. She just wants the money, Mm -hmm. you know. 
And like you say, that's triggering him. That's triggering me and all the stuff that comes up inside of us. It's like, wow, now I've got some shit to work on again. <laughs> like it just... <gasps> it never stop, ends. Jamie. I know it never <laughs> ends. Well, I'm glad we talked to me because I was like in my car crying today and I don't cry oh. very often and I just let it rip. And yeah, I was thinking too, you do really need to have that breakdown to have that breakthrough. And then I think, you know, yes. Darren and I really did have a good talk today just about everything that's going on. But when they get older, you, it gets easier, but then it also doesn't. It doesn't, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it, you're so right. Absolutely. Yeah. The dependence, you know, they're they're able to cook, they're able to clean, they're able to make their bed, change their sheets, go up to the shops. You know, like there's that level that's kind of gone. We don't have to run bars, all that kind of stuff. They can set their own alarm in the morning, get themselves to school, which is awesome. But then, yeah, at the moment, my youngest stepdaughter has been so severely bullied at school that to the point we're taking her out of school, oh. and you know, it's like, oh, far out. Then, you know, it, it activates Steve and whatever went on in his life as a kid and my life when I was a kid. And I was the same as you. Last Friday, I drove up, I volunteer at an animal sanctuary like twice a month and I put on Moana and I bawled my eyes out. Mm-hmm. I had no idea why, but I knew the whole week I was pent up frustrated, aggravated, agitated, all of it. And I just put on Moana and the whole time there, tears just streamed out of me. And I'm like, you cry, girlfriend. Get it? Because I'm like you. I also don't cry a lot. But when I do, I turn on Moana. Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting that you're saying it brings up what we've got going on about our own childhood and our own insecurities and our own stuff. And especially if you've been raised very differently or have different ideas about money or Mm -hmm. different ideas about responsibilities or Darren's mom, she probably never listened to this. She'd come here and cut the crust off a sandwich right now if, if he asked her to. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's, he's 50, (laughs) right? Like, so (laughs) literally uh, the the guy doesn't know how to do laundry. Right. And that's because that's how he was raised. Right. And that's fine. That's, that's what works Mm -hmm. for them. But then, you know, you have me who's trying to teach these kids because I don't want them to have to deal with what I've had to deal with or, or whatever (laughs) the thing is, but it is really interesting because asking yourself, okay, what is coming up for me here because of what's going on for them? It's like, oh, okay. I know. I know. It's like double healing. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember, and this is a a sensitive point that I'm going to touch to, So just to let your listeners know, when the girls were little, so they would come downstairs early in the morning or one of them would come downstairs early in the morning, like if they were scared or if they just wanted to cuddle or whatever it may be. And this is a sensitive point that I'll touch on. When I was a little girl at six years old, I was sexually abused. You know, so for me, space invasion, air quotes, is a big thing you know, someone coming into my space without permission and, you know, taking part of my space. Now, if I looked at the actual reality, it's two little girls wanting a cuddle with their daddy or or kitty, me, they call me kitty, jumping in the middle of our bed and that's it. You know, that's the reality of it. They might be scared. They might have had a bad dream, whatever. But what's going on internally for me is, They're coming into my space. My body would go into freeze mode just like I did when I was a little girl. And there were so many times that this happened where I thought, I don't think I can stay in this family. I don't think I can deal with kids 
because they're forever in your space, whether it be getting into your bed or whether you're getting ready and they're like, hey, or when you're on the toilet and they're like, hey, or whether you're having a shower and they're like, I'll have a bath too. And you're like, far out. Oh my gosh. You know, but it's, it's like what you said. I had to do a fair whack of healing with regards to, to that time because I was closing off to the girls. I was closing off to Steve. I wouldn't hug them back because I was in fight flight mode. To the listeners, this is what you and I are talking about, how their stuff, them coming downstairs, wanting a cuddle, having a bad dream, had a nightmare, whatever it may be, how it can touch your own wounds or trigger you and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have done so much work on that and here it is again, mm-hmm. you know. So, so many times I have definitely wanted out and I have played with the idea of out but I know that that's my ego because it's looking for the quick solution, the quick fix, you know. It's not actually I'm out because this actually doesn't feel right for me or true for me. This doesn't feel like my path or maybe me and Steve have fallen out of love, etc. you know. It's a quick fix and I'm so glad I know the difference between that and obviously you do too because I would have like prematurely left this family sooner than necessary. Mm-hmm. And in the same breath, like when the girls go back to their mums and the house is empty and I see them packing their bags, I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss these little turds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this what parenthood is? Yeah, basically. <laughs> How did you guys go to two week, two week? That's interesting. So it's been, you know, a good number of years where they have been back and forth week on, week off. And as they've gotten older, they've got more stuff like hair straighteners, Mecca products, all that stuff, you know, or Sephora Mm -hmm. where you guys are. And it's mounting to be more and more. And as they've gotten older, they're just like, we can't be bothered moving this frequently. And I actually said to Steve, you know, when we go on holidays and we're moving from place to place to place to place after a week, I hate it. I hate packing. And that's only on a holiday. That's only on a holiday, let alone that be their life for like nearly 10 years, the poor buggers. Mm -hmm. I say the same thing. I know how unsettled I feel when I'm unorganized or living out of a suitcase. Totally. So the girls have a stronger tendency to want to stay with us. Mm -hmm. The youngest one in a heartbeat would move. The eldest one tried to push pretty hard with her mum but their mum pushed back Mm -hmm. just as hard. And they're not at a place in their life, I don't think, where they feel confident to just say whatever their mum says, I'm going. Mm -hmm. They're just not there yet. So that was flaring up quite a lot. My eldest stepdaughter, she was really pushing back. She did stay here a little bit longer. I think she ended up staying here two, maybe three weeks And it was creating a lot of uncertainty and havoc because the night before she'd be due to go back to her mum, she'd be like, no, I'm not coming back. And then I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was going to get a week and now I'm not getting a week. (laughs) And you know what I mean? That uncertainty, everyone's fighting for control and no one's getting it. Or the way that we're getting it is all really messy and, and whatever else. I said, Steve, I can't live like this. I can't live in this level of uncertainty. You need to step in and call it. And let's maybe try two weeks on, two weeks off, give the girls, you know, three to six months to see how that goes. And to be fair, there's been little to almost no pushback. 
Wow. I think the settling has been good. Like I said, the youngest one in a heartbeat, she'd move here full time. Mm -hmm. But I must say that both their parents are fairly committed to preserving the relationship with each parent. So, yeah, that's how we shifted to two weeks on, two weeks off. And even I have to say it's less flip, 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 flip. You like it. Yeah, 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 I do. There's a rhythm that we all get into. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, by the end of these last two weeks, I was like, I need to breathe, you know, but then there are other two weeks where I'm like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you're saying that because I know a lot of stepmoms feel guilty for you know looking forward to their stepkids going back or looking forward to that break. And I love that you're talking about that so openly because I'm the same. I love when they're, mm. they're here. I think it's great. We have a great time, but I equally love when it is just Darren Reese and I, and I sometimes yeah. crave that time, just crave yeah. that break. And, you know, I think that has been what's been so challenging, especially when we're in that tough season with my stepson, who's 19, there's no break. Like there's no, there's no even like something that I can, you know, look forward to so that I can be like, okay, just like bite your tongue, bite your tongue. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You just have to hold on for a couple of days. Right. When you're in a tough season, that's even tougher. It's like, oh, yeah. You know, I said to my husband, I said, I am at my wits end. And again, Here's what I also know is that this is a lot about me too, because I'm feeling depleted right now. I've got a lot going on with work. There's just like extra stuff happening in our world. So my self-care is not at its prime, which makes me even more triggered, which makes him bug me, Yes, you know, even more. And he's not doing anything wrong. Like sometimes he kind of is, but you know what I mean? He's just being a teenager. Yeah. It's just their presence sometimes. And, you know, if you're like me, that outgoing extrovert, sometimes just a no one in your home is part of your self-care practice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. coming home and the house being, because I love a schmick house. Yeah. I love a schmick house. I love my cushions chopped in the middle. I love the bench clean, the water beads out of the sink, you know, <laughs> wiped, I know. all of it. I love it. It just fuels me. It fuels me. And I promise you, coming home to the same space as I left it is like, oh, happy day. I'm healed. <laughs> I'm healed. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh, we need to start a club, sister. Far out. I'm coming to Australia. <laughs> now, here's something I want to talk about. You guys were talking, and see was on the podcast, about finances and how you handle finances. Mm. And I think mm-hmm. this is so interesting. So can you share that? with us because I know yep. that's a big bone of contention for a lot of stepmoms. They don't know how to handle it. And a lot yes. of the times they're like, this isn't fair. Am I paying for all of them or totally? You know. Anyway, yes. Take it away. Yeah. So when I first came in, I paid because that's what I thought I had to do. Now there's a big discrepancy between my earning capacity and Steve's earning capacity. I make my own money, but it, it's sort of like it serves me in my life as an independent, not with dependence. It would serve my two dogs, but like that's it, you know. Whereas Steve, he has to have the capacity for a family because he chose to have the family. So I came in, I would go to the store and buy things and I'd use my card. And by the end of like the week that was with the kids, I'd be having internal panic attacks until there was one point where I legitimately had a panic attack. Steve was there and he's like, What's going on? I'm like, Dude, I'm like down to the last hundreds of dollars because I have been doing X, Y, Z. And he's like, oh my gosh, we need to chat then. Let's chat. And 
you know, again, that was my own stuff, my own wounding from when I was younger about not speaking up and blah, 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 blah. And it's uncomfortable to speak up and speak your truth because you'll just get rejected or whatever. So we had to have the chat and we both agreed that Steve would take care of his portion and the girls. And I would take basically responsibility for 25% of the house, of bills, of shopping, actually not even shopping, when the girls were with us. So we created a joint account and that's Steve's money. So whenever I would go out and buy food for, for all of us, Steve's like, just use my card because you're going out you're expending your energy and your time. So don't think that you have to pay for your portion and then use a separate card for me and the girls. So basically when the girls are here, you know, I am that mother figure. I cook and wash and all that kind of stuff. I I love it anyway. I enjoy it. But we really did sit down and look at what is fair, like really, really fair. And we Excel spreadsheeted it, itemized it, worked out how much that would be on a weekly basis or monthly basis. And then there is a recurring amount that goes into Steve's account from mine. And then the rest in terms of bills, house, et cetera. And then there's just that joint account that when the girls are with us, take the girls shopping, you know, if they want to go out and if they want to go with you, if they want to get their nails done, again, I know that's you using your time and they want to do it with you go and use that card. Mm -hmm. And that feels right because we both had to realize that it wasn't just money that was the value. It was my time. Mm -hmm. My time is value. My energy is value. And I'm glad, I'm blessed that I have a man who acknowledges that because I also have friends that are in blended families and they can't have these conversations because it's just like, we don't go there. Mm -hmm. For sure. There's so many who struggle with that. And I think the big thing is to recognize you're not going to function like a first family. Mm -mm. And that is the one thing that I think people really need to understand before they come into this. Mm. It's not going to function the way it would if you have, you know, two children together, you know, mom and dad, maybe you would do things differently. And when you don't talk about these things and they don't get brought up, the resentment builds up. And then, you know, you are having a panic attack in the grocery store. I remember going to the grocery store and I would get mad at Darren for getting banana chips because it was an extra $7 on top of, and I was like, it's adding up. Like the groceries are adding up because I had never bought groceries for that many people Mm -hmm. before. And so it was Mm -hmm. causing me so much anxiety when he's like, no, that's, we can get banana chips, right? Like (laughs) this is actually not a big deal, right? Like this is what things cost. Or when he would want to take the kids out for ice cream, three kids, $5 cone. I'm like, we're doing, this is adding up because I came from a situation where, you know, I used to sit and do my budget every other week. And Mm. sometimes I would have $45 left for a shirt and it would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But like everything was really, really budgeted. And then you, you know, come in and you have the kids and it just kind of changes your whole perception around money, but it's true. He's responsible because he brought those people in. Absolutely. And see, I know that like my other friends and the relationship that they're in, their partner who has the children will say, yeah, but it's your choice to be here. So it's your choice to be here. And I know one of my friends is paying half the rent and they actually have his kids full-time because of a terrible situation that the mother is in. And you know, she has tried to bring it up. We've gone for many walks and I said, you'd approach it like this or send our podcast onto him, the one that Steve and I did about money. 
And she just said, every time I do, it flares up, it doesn't end well, it's defensive, it's all that kind of stuff. And so she sits with a lot of resentment. She loves him, but sits with a lot of resentment and oh gosh, I just, I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that for such a long time. I did it for a certain period of time. And, you know, I'm thankful for my panic attack because it actually got the real conversation that needed to be had out, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that panic attack wasn't pretty. Oh God, no. Like that wasn't a pretty situation, right? And I've had conversations with Darren, not pretty. Earlier today, not pretty. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's out, right? And it's out. And then you have to work through that stuff in order to move forward. Yep. And it's hard. Absolutely. Like, for example, Steve and I are going away on a holiday for the two of us to Europe next week. So, you know, that's 50-50 because we both want to go on that trip. Mm -hmm. Then the girls were like, we want to go on a holiday because you're going away and we want to go away with you guys. So Steve's like, cool, for the school holidays, let's everyone go to Hamilton Island. And it's known that cool cat you come you don't have to pay Mm -hmm. because that wasn't my desire you know that was the kid's desire Mm -hmm. that's Steve's choice in Steve's mind he's like you're one extra person you cost me way less than the girls do anyway because I'm also conscious of things that I spend on whatever it may be you know so that's the agreement that we have come up with. I mean, if I want to buy things myself whilst I'm away, sure, not a problem. I don't take the piss out of it. But in terms of flights, accommodation, et cetera, he's like, I would have had to go anyway. I would have been sleeping in a bed anyway. You're just an additional person in the same bed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we have had that conversation because otherwise I reckon if we hadn't, we'd be over pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I remember you guys saying about flights too, because he likes to travel a little fancier than you. Business class, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you split things up, if he wants to upgrade, that's his choice and he can pay for you guys to upgrade, totally. but you're not paying for something yeah. that you wouldn't have paid for otherwise. Totally. So I've paid him because he paid for the whole trip on his credit card to earn points. And he's like, cool, here's your half of accommodation, car hire, etc." He said, this is the amount for economy in terms of the flights. So you pay that and then he pays the difference because he wants me in business with him. And I'm like, not a problem. I'm happy to fly business too. But yeah, if I look at my budgeting and my money situation, et cetera, I'm like, would I want to spend an extra eight grand on flights in business class? No, I'm happy to get there and then I'll do, you know, all the beautiful things whilst I'm there. So that's what we've agreed and it works. We keep it as clean as we possibly can, as clean as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to someone who is struggling to have these conversations with their partner? Something needs to change, but they maybe like your friend think it's going to trigger their partner. It's going to cause an argument. Mm, It's a big one. So what I have said to my friend as an example is she's been talking about this for a long time. They've been together for, I think, three years and it's been a conversation that she's not having for three years. And I have said to her, no different to what I would say to anyone else, are you prepared to live like this, doing something that you don't feel is right, you don't feel is fair, and also live with backed up resentment for the last three years? Are you happy to do that for another 10 you know, what financial position are you going to be in? She earns okay money, but not like amazing money. Are you okay to live that way? What financial position 
would you be in? What financial position could you be in if you actually had that conversation? And see, for me, I'm someone who values a partner who is prepared to have hard conversations and look at themselves and be open and curious. So if I had attempted on numerous occasions to talk about it and look to see if there was any other alternative or look to see if there was any other way that they could exchange ways of doing things and it kept hitting a brick wall, I'd be asking myself, is this the relationship I really want to be in? Mm -hmm. Like for real, I agree. you know, money and relationships, like, gosh, it's so, I mean, that podcast, I cannot tell you how many people wrote in to say, wow, that was an eye opener. And they wish they had have had that conversation because now they're in X position and it's shocking. It's terrible, whatever. I think what I have learned through being in a relationship with Steve is that you go in, you just go in. And if going in means you split, if it means this relationship isn't working, you find out sooner rather than later and you don't have years of resentment banked up in you, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. That's tough advice, but that's what I would say. Also, you got to choose your heart, right? Exactly. Okay. So last question for you. Zero fucks movement. Uh Give us the lowdown. So interestingly, the zero fucks movement, what it's not, it's not about sticking your middle finger up to the world and saying, I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about what you think of me. It's not that cocky confidence, that false confidence. The zero fucks movement is about challenging the thoughts in our head that tell us to give a fuck about what other people think or tell us that we're not good enough or tell us that we're not ready yet, perfect enough yet, whatever it may be, and challenge that story. Challenge that story because that story is preventing us, that the amount of fucks that we're giving to that story, to that narrative is preventing us from insert whatever is preventing you from, sharing your heart, Mm -hmm. sharing your truth, expressing yourself freely, creating the art you want to create in the world, right? So zero fucks is about giving less to zero cares, importance, intention, focus to the thoughts that are inhibiting you or inhibiting something that your heart is calling you to do. So for example, it would be with my friend giving zero or less fucks to the thoughts that tell her I can't have this conversation or flare things up or end up in a fight, etc. It's like, nah, man, I've got to stick to my truth. I want to give a fuck about my truth and what feels right and good for me because if you look at her past, she's always hidden it, always hidden it from men in her relationships and it's always ended poorly. So she's in a pattern. So to break that pattern, it's like I'm going to care more or give a fuck about more my truth, you know. So I guess it birthed very organically. I love to dance. I've always danced since I was a kid. And I've used it as a tool for self-expression over the years. And so one day, this is before Insta Reels, music was on Instagram, you know, it was like old school town where you had to put a boom box next to you and play music over it and then Instagram would reject the song and all of it. But there was one day I was dancing and this little voice in me just said, record it. And it was like when Instagram was more photo-based rather than video-based, I was like, oh, okay. And then there was this little voice in me that said, share it share that this is what you do. And I was like, not a chance. (laughs) The thoughts in my head were like, people will think you're up yourself. You look like a loser. 
you'll embarrass yourself, you'll get negative comments, you'll get trolls, everything. So 20 minutes, I'm like, do I, don't I, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? I was like, no, this is like, what is this actually about? This is about sharing something that serves me that is probably going to serve another human being. So do it, just share it. So in that moment, I thought I'd get creative with it and it was a Tuesday. I'm like, I'm giving zero fucks right now. And I literally just was like, zero fucks Tuesday. This is what I'm doing, doing a dance. This is how I express myself. And people were like, oh my gosh, they were commenting and can't wait till next Tuesday. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) You're like, what do you mean next Tuesday? (laughs) And they're like, can't wait to see you dance. I wish I could do that. And it was like, hmm, interesting. So I kept posting a dance every Tuesday and maybe six to eight weeks later, people started sending in their videos. So again, it was very new to to like dance online. Mm -hmm. And they would tag and they would be doing a song. And I was like, holy moly, this is something. And then six months in, there was a rooftop in Melbourne that said, host a party, host a zero fucks dance party. And I did. It was my first one. I deliberated with it because I was like, what if no one turns up? What if this? What if that? You know, what if it rains? And it did rain, but 150 people turned up on that rooftop. Like it was sold out in minutes, pissing down rain, dancing the night away. And I was like, this is cool. Love it. So from there, like corporates have reached out. I've done a lot of corporate events or corporate talks or like high schools have brought me in to do Zero Fucks Tuesday sessions with them. And it's been, I think, nearly five years. And now that there's reels and people feel like comfortable dance, not as many people send in their videos, but like you said, it's a hook, it's a magnet, and it's become a natural magnet for people to come into my world. And I'll always post a caption beneath it that means something that I'm giving less fucks to so people can start to be in their own practice with it. So I've actually got an event tonight, a dance event tonight, and there's 250 people coming. So it should be cool. Well, congratulations. That is so cool. You are such a light. I feel like you were my Aussie stepmom soul sister. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. So, so crazy. And I think it's been really powerful for us to just be real and saying, yeah, actually, we both have these platforms. We're both talking about all these strategies and, you know, perspective and mindset, but we just cried in our car too. Yeah. Right. Like life is hard. This is not, we're not saying being a stepmom is the easiest thing. No, there's some serious seasons. (laughs) Oh, God help us. Sometimes you want to fast forward. Some seasons. I know. Jeepers, jeepers, jeepers. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been equal parts therapy and a great podcast episode. (laughs) So (laughs) I agree. Thank you so much. Like, wow. It's just so nice to talk to someone else. Yeah. I never knew that other people had anxiety. I'm like, I'm the only one that experienced anxiety because I'm a bad step mom. Yeah. No. You know, so to feel normal in that is like gnarly. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. All right. So where can everyone find you? Best place to start is Instagram, kat.john, so K-A-T dot J-O-H-N. You'll get a taste of me there. And then I'd say travel into my podcast, which is called Real, Raw, Relatable. I share real guidance, raw truths, and relatable stories of what's going on in my life. Steve comes on once a month and we talk about the relationship stuff that goes on in our life and how we navigate it. So that's a good place to dive in. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You are a gem. Thanks, Jamie. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode and know someone that it would resonate with, do me a favor and send it their way. 
And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. I am so passionate about opening up the conversation about blended family life and debunking the stigma that comes with being a stepmom. And you sharing this podcast helps me do just that. Now, if you're craving more podcast episodes and interviews, would like to connect with me and get access to workshops like how to disengage the right way, how to improve your relationship with your stepkids, how to talk to your partner about your step family stress without causing a bigger fight and more, you have to check out my membership, the Kick-Ass Stepmom Community. Not only will this community give you access to strategies and tips to improve your step family life, you can connect with me and stepmoms from over 30 countries around the world in our private chat and our live Q&As. Head to www.kickassstepmom.com to join.